You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined by my friend Chris Flum. And we're going to be breaking down the running back and tight end position in the 2022 NFL Draft. Chris, what is your overall assessment of both of these positions? You know, I feel like they're kind of similar. Yeah, we Throughout the, our run-up to the draft, we've kind of been doing a, a make-the-case format between the top guys at, at each position and then moving on from there to the to looking at the depth at each of these positions I don't know that there is a single top player you know there there are no rock stars at these positions but there's just so much good depth throughout the depth chart at both of these positions where it, it almost doesn't matter what round you're looking at, you can come up with a good talented player who will help your team. It just depends on what you're looking for. And I think that's an excellent place to start because every year it does seem like there's always like a clear cut top running back or a clear cut tight end. Like last year there was Kyle Pitts out of Florida. He was the unquestioned number one tight end right now. It leans towards Trey McBride, but I think there are a lot of various opinions, but if we focus on the running back position per se, I can't name exactly who would be the top guy. I think there are a lot of guys who have different types of styles, but I think the three names that consistently show up in the top three are Texas A&M running back Isaiah Spiller, Michigan State running back Kenneth Walker III, and then Brees Hall, the running back out of Iowa State. Chris, out of those three, who is your favorite and what do you think those three offer an NFL team? Yeah, I think Brees Hall is probably the best all-around runner out of the three. Like, if you were just looking for a number one running back that you never have to take off the field, who can you know, just carry the ball 20 times a game if you want to run the ball that that often, you know, he is probably your guy. He's got the athleticism to you know, turn a sliver of daylight into a big play, but he also has the the vision, the contact balance, the mentality to be a down-in, down-out grinder who can really maximize whatever is there on a given play. Isaiah Spiller, he's another really good all-around back. He really carried that Texas A&M offense. Like, he pretty much was their offense. And again, he can do pretty much anything you ask of him. I think Hall just does it at a tiny bit higher level. And then Kenneth Walker, he is a he is a ton of fun. Yeah, he's got great balance, great agility, good burst, good long speed. My only questions with him are in the passing game. Yeah, he was never asked to catch the ball when he was at Wake Forest. I think he caught 13 passes on 16 targets at Michigan State, but those were pretty much all checkdowns. And just as a pass protector, I'd like to see him get more aggressive. He, he finishes behind his pads as a runner, but he just kind of catches guys as a pass protector. 
it's kind of wild watching Kenneth Walker just run the football because I feel like there were so many times when he was dead to rights. And this is somebody who is, you know, built low to the ground, thick. You would expect him to be this just I'm going to run through your face type of runner. But then this dude has the light ass feet, Chris, and he's just dancing around people in side of like a very narrow gap. I was actually kind of shocked going into his film to see how nimble Kenneth Walker was on his feet. I was, I'm with you. I was kind of almost expecting him to be like a Michigan state era Le'Veon Bell, where he was just a big dude, a power runner who ran over people. And then he transformed himself into that real nimble, uh, I, I guess, oversized scat back is maybe the best description for Lev Bell with the Steelers. And that's kind of what Kenneth Walker already is. Like, like you said, he's got tremendous agility, great vision, great feet. And, you know, with me, the thing that kind of stands out with him is the way he can play with his stride length. You know, he, he's not, a, he's never a long strider. I mean, he's five foot nine, so he's, he's never going to have, you know, really long strides, but he can get really quick, almost sewing machine feet in the backfield. So he's always got a foot in the ground and he can just either stop on a dime or jump cut a yard or two to the side and just straight up make defenders miss in a phone booth. And you do not expect that from a guy with his build. Yeah, I really appreciated his film and I liked Spiller and Hall's film as well. I think the running back class as a whole is a uh, very talented class. It's just the running back position is a little bit devalued at the moment. But speaking of the running back position, the Giants brought three in for top 30 visits. There's obvious interest in the running back position. We know Joe Shane comes from the Buffalo Bills. They spent a third round pick in 2019 and 2020 on Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, respectively. So they're not shy on spending these late day two picks on running backs that they like. Now, the three that they brought in was Brees Hall from Iowa State. We just went over him. Brian Robinson from Alabama. And then James Cook, that is Dalvin Cook's younger brother out of the University of Georgia. Can you speak a little bit on James Cook and Brian Robinson? Sure. I, I think we'll start with uh, James Cook. Younger brother, Dalvin Cook, like you said, he did turn out to be the faster brother. So at least he's got that up over his uh, all-pro older brother. You know, he is He might be the best receiving back. In this draft class, he's got great hands. He runs really nice routes. He is explosive. He is quick. I think he can handle the load or at least like, you know, a decent chunk of the load. Yeah, I'm not worried about him as being an every down back, but some teams might want a bigger, stouter running back. Like he is much smaller than running backs have kind of grown to be. Like nowadays, most running backs are like 5'11", and somewhere between 215 and 225 pounds. And they're really kind of built to, or the running backs have kind of been selected, <laughs> as it were. It's kind of a Darwinian thing. But at, at the college level where they the rest of the offense spreads the defense out, and then you get that interior running game going, that, that inside zone running game going, and you get these running backs who are low to the ground, but thick stout guys who, when you get the defense into a spread out light set, these guys are very difficult to bring down. James Cook is not that guy. He is built for just tearing up the open field. And if you are looking for that kind of weapon out of the backfield, he's kind of your guy. 
and then Brian Robinson, you know, he is, I'm kind of going to make a little bit of a deep cut here, but watching him, he reminds me so much of Andre Brown, former Giants running back, uh, famous for getting a ring and also being just having an absolute nose for the end zone in 2012. I mean, he burst onto the scene against the Carolina Panthers in 2012. And yeah, he looked like he was going to be an absolute steal after having his rookie season derailed by injury. Unfortunately, he just had another injury and that just completely ended his career. But as a, again, a, good-sized, stout running back, really quick, and just absolutely ridiculous vision, contact balance, and a sick jump cut. You know, those are the traits those two guys, Brian Robinson and Andre Brown, share. And Robinson is just so good at changing his path mid-run, you know, really anticipating where the defenders are going to be and then putting himself in the best possible position. Dude, there was this run that Brian Robinson had against Texas A&M where he hit the B-gap and the linebacker scraped perfectly right into the B-gap and he hit him with this juke move that made this linebacker look so freaking silly and then he scampered for like 25 yards. Brian Robinson is one of those players, if he falls to day three, that's going to be wildly interesting for the New York Giants and I think they're going to really have to look at adding him because he has a three factor skill set he's a really good rusher in between the tackles and you can even say a four or five factor skill set he can he has enough speed to to get outside it's not great but he has enough speed to get outside he's a solid receiver and he's also very effective in pass protection so I find him to be very intriguing and James Cook you already spoke pretty extensively about him very interesting player but I have to ask you Chris because the Giants are interviewing a lot of these prospects where should the Giants feel comfortable taking a running back in this draft class with the current state of their roster? I am thinking it, we, we should start being on running back watch for that second, third round pick. You know, just outside the top 80, that I think is where the value starts to be really good for the Giants. But I'm also kind of looking at the fourth round onward, just because there is so much talent at this position. You know, we just ripped through six guys and there's probably another six who you could take anywhere in that third to fourth round range who might slip even further and you would feel absolutely comfortable and really feel like you got a great value in the fifth, sixth, or hell, maybe even seventh rounds. So yeah, I think that second, third round pick is where we should, where we really should start looking. But like I said, to start this all out, there are going to be good players at the running back position available all the way through the draft. It just really depends on what you're looking for. Absolutely. And I feel like there's other players that we haven't gone over who kind of fall into that late day two, early day three range. And I kind of wanted to pick your brain on a little bit. And first, it's somebody that I watched. I really like his running style, his receiving ability. He's a little bit upright, like a Latavius Murray type of runner. And that is Arizona State's Rashad White. What do you think of White, and how much do you appreciate that overall burst, explosiveness, and size combination that he possesses? Oh, he is super fun to watch. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised he turned out to be as big as he was at the Combine because I was expecting a guy, just based on his running style and how good he is catching the ball, to really be kind of like 
a receiver in the backfield, which is a transition we've seen a few guys make at the NFL level. Yeah, he is so comfortable catching the ball out of the backfield. And two words I keep bringing up, but they're kind of the two most important words when it comes to running back evaluation for me. And that's vision and contact balance. Well, okay, that's three words, but two traits. And Rashad White really has those traits to his game. Like he is great at picking out rushing lanes, great at finding cutback lanes, and he can play through contact. Like he is the type of runner who can weather contact. He can basically run through arm tackles, bounce off of shoulder checks and keep going. And to me, those are kind of the two most important traits for a running back. I don't really care about 40 times anymore just because how many chances is a running back going to get to run 40 yards in a straight line, but he's going to have to get through the line of scrimmage every single play. That's why when you look at some of his explosive drills, he jumped pretty far in the broad and I think he had like a 38 or 36 inch vertical. And you could see that burst on film. I want to talk about some late round guys, Chris, before we transition over to the tight ends. And I think one of my, well, two of my favorite running backs are considered, you know, late day three or maybe even early day three. The one who could even slip into day two is Florida's Damian Pierce. I really appreciate his overall skill set, criminally underused down there in Dan Mullen's offense at Florida. And then Georgia's Zamir White, who isn't being discussed enough because he already has two ACL surgeries under his belt. When I watched James Cook's film and Georgia's film, I was like, dude, this Zamir White guy is really good. Is he in this draft check? And I was like, yes, this guy is very draft eligible. I get the reservation because of the injuries, but he does everything well. <laughs> I just think if, if he could stay healthy, he's going to be a massive steal for somebody on day three. Yeah, that, that really is kind of the recipe for a day three or maybe even UDFA steal where you've got these pretty bright medical red flags. You know, one ACL is kind of like, okay, we'll just check, make sure of his... You know, long-term prognosis is good. There isn't a, anything degenerative in the knee. But once you get to two ACLs, then then you do start worrying about the the chances for a repeat injury. You know, if he's going to have that third ACL, which you know we saw with the Terrell Thomas with you know, at the cornerback a few years ago. Like he had the ACL coming out and then he had another ACL and then he had another, another ACL almost immediately afterwards. So I, I I'm with you. I definitely get the, the concern with Zamir white, but like you said, the upside there is tremendous. Yeah. Damian Pierce. I've got no idea where he's going to go. Like you said, criminally underused. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if he had 200 carries total in four years with Florida, but you get him at the senior bowl and he just jumped off the field. You know, while I'm out here making deep cut comparisons for running backs, Damian Pierce reminds me of Doug Martin coming out of Boise state back in uh, 2012, where this dude is just a pissed off bowling ball of muscle. You know, he's not super fast. I think he ran what a four, six ish, yes. but he's got great burst and he is almost impossible to bring down because again, great vision, great contact balance, and he is always going to be the low man. And he just runs angry all the time. He would, I think he would rather try to truck somebody than pick up another five yards. 
That seems like Damian Pierce's game overall. I really appreciate it. But Chris, before we transition to the tight ends, you have any other running backs you want to wax poetic about or criticize? Well, you know, the, the one guy I think we kind of have to hit on is Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. You know, for a long time you know, this year, he was in the conversation for the top running back in this draft class. And then he just kind of faded into obscurity and he had a very disappointing combine workout. Although if you go back and watch his tape in the context of him running a, I I think he improved his 40 time to a four, five, five ish at his pro day, but four, five, five, four, six, you you can see that he doesn't have that extra gear to just run away from defenders. He is fast in the same way that Victor Cruz was fast in that he hits it. He doesn't have, a great top speed, but he's got a, he hits his top speed very quickly. You know, he's got great burst, great agility. He is an excellent pass protector. I don't care that he is what, uh, 195 ish. Yeah, he gets up and he pass protects like an offensive lineman. He attacks defenders. He will get after 270 pound edge rushers and knock them off of their rush. And that is really, really valuable. When you have a guy who can pass, pass protect like that, who is a very good receiver and a good runner who, okay, he might not be a, a real home run threat, but he's at least a chunk yardage threat. Yeah, I don't know where he's going to go. I think it depends what teams are picking when and really when their evaluations of him got done. If they were done during the season, they could have him pretty high on their board, maybe even top five at the position. If they did the eval after the draft, uh, he could wind up sliding and be, being a real steal. Yeah, and he's another one who is really good in pass protection, similar to Brian Robinson, which is very valued in the National Football League. But to transition to tight end, Chris, there are so many different types of tight ends in this draft. You have the why, you have the move guys. You know, bigger dudes, slower dudes, guys who are like six foot eight. There's just a bunch of different styles and body types. In your opinion, Chris, you've been covering the Giants for quite a long time. What kind of tight end should the Giants target in this draft? And should they target multiple tight ends? Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know, tight end is a position I wouldn't mind them double dipping at. Like if they pick, maybe they look at both of these positions, running back and tight end with those two day three, uh, two third round picks, I should say. Yeah. I think B 
because they've got Ricky Seals Jones already there as kind of their athletic receiving tight end, I would look at the guy the Giants had a private visit with in Kate Otten because he is you know, six foot five, six six, uh, right around 250 pounds. He's athletic, but athletic enough. He's a good blocker and he is a capable receiver. Like he is, he might not be a uh, Kyle Pitts or Travis Kelsey type superstar tight end or, you know, Gronk in his prime, but he can be an effective weapon as a tight end. And I should say weapon and not just a, a safety blanket for the quarterback. Yeah, you know, the other one is Trey McBride, and I do like him. I think he could be a George Kittle type tight end. You know, the, yeah, he's six three, but he is a stout six three, and he does have, I think, the ability to become a plus blocker. I'm not sure he's there yet, but both of those guys, they're probably the two most well rounded tight ends. It really depends, I think, if you want that extra size and catch radius that Otten offers. Yeah, and that's what Otten does offer, but I feel like, and McBride isn't even somebody who is a dominant athlete. I feel like McBride is a plus athlete, but he's not going to win purely off of his athletic ability. He's not overly sudden, but he's a lot more sudden than Otten, in my opinion. I feel like he's a much more dynamic receiving weapon than Otten, which speaks maybe a little bit more to Otten than it does McBride. But I would agree, Kate Otten, you get him into space and ask him to block, similar to Isaiah Likely. You get them into space and ask him to block. They're pretty effective. Like Likely, no one's talking about his blocking in space. And I, I, I've seen him do that. Granted, it was against Coastal Carolina type of um, opponents. But Kate Otten, man, when he's moving lateral and he fits his hands inside, he gets his leg churning, good luck. But with all of these blockers, dude, at the tight end position – they're, they're not great. Like everyone's looking for Gronk. Gronk is a straight up anomaly, dude. There are not a lot of people who are going to be able to do that. A lot of these guys, if they get hit with quick power moves right at the snap, they're not going to be able to execute their assignment. And that goes for Jeremy Rucker, KDOT, and Trey McBride, all tight ends that we view in a little bit more of a plus light. And even a Jake Ferguson, a little bit later tight end kid from Wisconsin, who's also a pretty solid blocker from everything that I've seen. But can you speak a little bit, Chris, on Jeremy Rucker, kid from Ohio State that I just mentioned, and Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina? Two totally different prospects, but interesting ones. Yeah. Uh, why don't we start with Rucker? He is – he was another guy who – you could say was criminally underused in his offense. If it weren't for the fact that Ohio state has so many different weapons in their offense, like their offense is always stacked every year. And it's really hard for a guy kind like Ruckert, who is useful in so many different ways for him to carve out enough share of the offensive pie to really stand out. He is already a solid blocker he is a very useful player you can have him blocking on the perimeter blocking in in space at the second level yeah I, I wouldn't match him up against a defensive end but I don't think you should match any tight end up against a defensive end one-on-one you know especially at the NFL level we saw the Giants try to do that with pretty much everybody over the last couple years uh, Evan Ingram Red Ellison Kyle Rudolph you know Caden Smith all the guys that you know aren't here anymore and it never really worked out too well, which really should just tell you something about the practice of matching a tight end up on an NFL caliber pass rusher. But 
Ruckert, he's got the size. He's got better athleticism than I think you realize just looking at him. And he was a very sneaky, good weapon for Ohio State. And I think he could be kind of a, a, a mid-round sleeper where you pick him up late in the third round or yeah, that's probably a good spot for him. I don't, I don't think he slips to the fourth round and all of a sudden, maybe later on in year one, definitely year two, you're looking at him. And it's like, Holy crap. We, we found a gem here. And then Isaiah likely, I don't know. Well, actually, I, I think I do know where this kind of perception that he is not a good blocker has come from. And it's basically his size. You know, people look at a guy who is, you know, 6'3", 240, plays that move position. He was Coastal's big play threat. Yeah, He was their deep receiver. He was the guy who they turned to whenever they needed an explosive play. And you look at him and it's like, you don't expect that guy to also be a good blocker. But he is a good blocker, as long as you don't match him up against a 270-pound pass rusher. If you can get him against an off-ball linebacker, a safety Anyone like that, he's got the athleticism to get in position. He's got good fundamentals, places his hands well, gets good leverage, drives off, drives the blocker back. And he is very useful. He is very effective at the second level out on the perimeter. But that's that's how you have to use him. He, these guys are not undersized offensive tackles. There are some Giants fans who are out there just looking for another Mark Bavaro. It's twenty twenty two. We can get into the new millennium. I love me some Mark Bavaro and any reference of Mark Bavaro, I invite. But you're right with likely. My my concern with likely is I I think it's he's a good blocker in space, which you saw a lot on film. I don't know if he's going to be able to line up in line though, as why. Whereas I look at Rucker, I look at Otten, I look at McBride, I look at Jake Ferguson. I even look at a Charlie Kolar, who is another one who's like six foot six, you know, two hundred fifty pounds, and he's kind of lean. But I felt like he lost slowly enough to function as a why if you need him to. Can you speak a little bit, Chris? And first off, do you agree with that? And also, what are your opinions on Kolar and then Greg Dolchik from US, UCLA, who is not necessarily a Y guy, but certainly in a very, very interesting receiving weapon? Yeah, uh, I think likely if you're going to line him up as a Y, you use him as a chipper to just kind of help your offensive tackle out as he releases into a route because he likely's hands his athleticism his route running that's where he's most effective and if you can just upset that edges rush enough to slow him down and give your quarterback time to get the ball out i think that's good enough because he can make things happen in space you know with charlie kohler i think he's kind of in that uh ferguson ruckert yeah like you say a different tight end yeah, he his job as a blocker is basically to lose slowly. I love the way you put that, but he is Mike Mayock. Term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hope Mayock. Just as an aside, I hope he lands back with the NFL Network and gets back on air because he was great. <laughs> yes, he was. Like, he was just living the dream for all of us there. But I, I should say, you know, just to get back to Kohler, he is a good space receiver. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how dynamic he will be at the NFL level, but I think he he can give you enough 
especially as like a number two tight end, like get him in a 12 personnel package. You get him matched up on like a, a box safety, strong safety, and he will get you yardage. Yes. I love him as a receiver. You got to teach him how to block though. It, like, if you want him to be your number one tight end, which there are people, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, I think might be his biggest proponent as the top tight end in this class. You have to get him to block because even though the height weight speed mismatch is so useful, these guys are going to have to block at least on occasion. And Dulcet, he, he just isn't a blocker. He is an oversized receiver. And that is very, very useful, especially in the modern NFL where you want as many passing receiving weapons as you can get. And if you can use these guys to attack the seam, attack the middle of the field, uh, even see some of the, some of these tight ends getting used as not just screen blockers, but as screen weapons, they're carrying the balls on screens. It, all of that is great, but occasionally you are going to be in short yardage or you are going to catch the defense in a you know, six man box and you're going to audible to a running play and your tight end is going to have to block. That's the big conundrum with Dolchik. But man, you watch some of his tape, the game against LSU, some of the plays he's making down the field, stretching the field vertically, huge, gigantic, almost 11 inch hands, great catch radius. Very, very interesting player for certain. Recently, Chris, just to touch on this before I ask you about one final guy, we came out at Big Blue View. If anybody wants to go check it out, which tight end prospect is the best value for the Giants? And the way I approached this article when writing it was looking at it, and it's like, yes, if I had to choose one tight end to have, it would be the Trey McBrides of the world. It would possibly be an Isaiah Likely or a player like that. But when you factor in the value and where these guys are perceived to go, because honestly, we don't know. We're just kind of going off media speculation. Ended up coming away with a day three guy in Charlie Kolar from Iowa State because I do believe he has enough blocking ability combined with upside as a receiver, route runner, soft hands, big catch radius, not overly explosive or sudden, but I think he can be a solid NFL player. And if the Giants can get him on day three and then possibly the next guy I'm about to ask you about – I would be happy. And that guy is, first off, Chris, what do you think of that? And secondly, Jelani Woods from Virginia, developmental tight end, transfer out of Oklahoma State. What are your opinions on big Jelani Woods? Oh, man. That dude is an absolute freak show. (laughs) Yeah, he is is rough around the edges right now. Like, you can see developmental in just about every aspect. But you can also see that upside of his that athletic upside just shine through because when he gets going defenses don't really have an answer for him you know he is way too athletic for most linebackers to deal with and he is way way too big for most defensive backs to deal with yeah he is enormous and he moves better than pretty much anyone should at his size in fact, he, he moves better than most people should at any size. Yeah, you know, if you can, if you have a tight ends coach you trust to develop that upside, absolutely go for it because if it pays off, you know we talk about Gronk as being an anomaly. Jelani Woods could be that same kind of anomaly if you can get everything to hit with him. If you can 
get his technique as a blocker to be consistent and consistently good. If you can get him to be an efficient, technically sound route runner and have him catch the ball consistently, you know, if you can get all of that to pay off by the end of his rookie contract, you have an, you could have an absolute steal on your hands. Now, I don't know where he will go. I, I know I've been saying that a lot, but that's just kind of the nature of this of this tight end class and the running back class as well. Some team I think will take a swing on that athletic upside. And I think he could go higher than we are expecting. Yeah. Hopefully he lands in a good situation where he can be developed because he is just one of these guys. And this draft has a ton of these guys who are just, you look at them, you go like, are you even human? Where in Kansas did your spaceship land? <laughs> and it's really exciting for the future of the NFL, especially if even some of these guys hit, let alone most or all of them. Yeah, Jelani Woods is interesting, and he was also recruited to go into Oklahoma State as a quarterback, switch to tight end. Mike Gundy doesn't know that you can throw the football to tight end, so he basically <laughs> just blocked. And then Virginia was his first actual production as a receiver. But I would agree, they're, they're, it's rough around the edges a little bit right now, but high upside. Chris, is there anybody else you want to go over in the tight end position? You know, I got to get my you know, deep sleeper. Got to get his name out there. Uh, I actually saw it for the first time in a – top five list of tight ends put out by, I believe it was Bucky Brooks. And that is Derek Deese Jr. out at San Jose State. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, he is the son of Derek Deese Deese, who was an all-pro left tackle with the San Francisco 49ers in the 90s. And Deese Jr. started out as a wide receiver and transitioned to kind of a tight end H-back type role he's undersized he's you know built along the same lines as isaiah likely or trey mcbride but when he blocks you can tell his dad was an all pro left tackle like he gets after dudes as a blocker he is one of the few tight ends who actually knocks guys back off the ball as a blocker now i don't know if he's an h-back i don't Kind of like likely, I don't know that he is a an inline hand in the dirt Y tight end in the NFL, but you can move him around. You can play him in the slot. He does have that receiver pedigree, big hands. Yeah, he coming from San Jose State. You know, he probably does need some development in his technique as a receiver, but he's he at least looks athletic on the field, and yeah, he could even be an undrafted free agent in this draft class. But to me, he is a guy, if you pick up a Kate Otten or a Trey McBride or any one of these other guys we've named, Jeremy Ruckert, Ferguson, I would circle back around at the end of the draft and make sure I pick up Derek Deese because it, I feel like he could be a real diamond in the rough. I have not got my eyes on Deese yet. That's somebody I'm going to have to go and watch. All right, Chris, this has been the Big Blue View running back and tight end breakdown for the 2022 NFL draft. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Please 
head on over to Big Blue View and check out all of the work we have coming out about the New York football Giants and the 2022 NFL Draft, all the prospect profiles that Chris is doing. And also please like and subscribe and leave a comment to this podcast. Please give us five stars. Give us some critiques if you would like. That's all well and good. Alrighty, for Nick, for Chris, for Big Blue View, take care, everybody. Be well and be safe. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.